Bitch about me possibly burping and then let out a fucking Billy Goat's gruff over there. I didn't want to feel left out. Piece of shit. Um, anyway. You ready? Yes. Are you? Indeed. Are you ready? As far as you know. Well, let's hit it. Hey, everybody, welcome to Horror Vomit, where we talk about horror movies so you don't have to. My name is Chris Vapp. I am your host, and you are. James Marino. Uh-huh. I always mess this one up. Uh-huh. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And what are we talking about today? Today we James. are talking about Stakeland. 2010's Stakeland. Uh, written by Jim Mickle and Nick Dimitri. Directed by Jim Mickle. Starring Nick Dimitri as Mr. Connor Paolo as Martin. Kelly McGillis from Top Gun as the sister. Uh, Michael Cerverus as Jebediah Lovin. Daniel Harris as Belle, and Sean Nelson as Willie. I think that's everybody, yeah. Yeah. All right. Because, I mean, there's a lot of other small characters, but, I mean, that's pretty much the core cast. Yes, it is. Pretty long list. Yeah. And Goddamn. Throughout the whole movie, too, which is pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, how, did we, how did we like this? Well, to, to quote somebody I know, this movie was bitchin'. <laughs> this movie is bitchin'. I actually wanted to watch it again. Usually after I watch the movie, I'm like, oh, I got to watch it again. This time, I was looking forward to watching it again. Man, this movie has everything. So I kind of described it before we watched it as a karate kid meets the road with vampires. Yeah, it also has like almost a spaghetti western feel to it, too. Oh, dude, this movie rules. (laughs) I mean, all right, dude. It's got highs, it's got lows, it's got action, it's got zombies being, or zombie vampires being thrown out of helicopters. And this is, again, going back to Near Dark, we think about these, these were not aristocratic vampires, or they were fast, and they were scary, yeah. and they were very real-seeming. Yeah, because these ones are more aligned with zombies, like, they function from the reptile brain. Right. They're not you know, the intelligent, whatever, zombies. They're just organisms that are feeding at this point. Oh, God, this movie's so good. Yes. And I like, actually, what I really enjoyed about this movie, too, is that they spelled things out with you, or they spelled things out with you very subtly. Like, if you want to know what happens, you just listen to the broadcasts that are being broadcast. You can see, like, newspaper clips. So it's not in your face. There's no exposition. The film actually told you properly. Yeah. And it's... Like I said, man, it it fucking goes until it almost stops dead in its tracks. And I don't mean that it gets boring. Like, the tonal shift is immediate. But, all right, I want to get into pretty much the first line of actual dialogue we hear in this film. It is classic. Uh-huh. So, Martin runs outside. His family's packing up to leave. They're in this barn. His dog runs outside. It's raining like all hell. And he hears a scream from inside the barn where his family was. And he turns around to run and he is tackled by Mr. Nick Dimitri. Mm-hmm. This is how they introduce this movie. This is what he says to a child. You want to live, boy? You listen to me. You scream, I'll break your neck. They're dead. There's nothing to be done about it but kill that thing. Can you shoot? You shoot me, I'll fucking kill you. Which right off the rip. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why it was almost, there was a lot of talking, but it was kind of, and that one moment, but that's why it, it also had a spaghetti Western feel because the talking was few and far between and it was rarely expositional. Yeah. So to finish out this very first scene, they walk into the barn and there is his mother just dead, his father gurgling, dying, just fucking a bloody mess. Pan up to a vampire eating a baby. Yeah. (laughs) And it drops it like a peanut shell on the floor of a mid-priced steakhouse. (laughs) It it was startling. It was very startling. It drops a husk of a baby. (laughs) And and actually, the way they shot and lit that, you you knew there was going to be a vampire there. Uh Uh-huh. But I did not expect... 
what I saw up there. It was just kind of hunched and feral, and it was almost like a bird of prey uh-huh. or, or a snake or something just getting ready to hop. Vampire jumps down. Uh, Mister starts fighting it, which is, I thought, really cool action. Gets a stake into its heart and yells at Martin, Grab a fucking hammer! Ah, yes. So, it's a cool shot. Martin's just hammering away at this stake of the vampire that just murdered his entire family. To be fair, though, that kid's, what, 13, maybe? Well, yeah. Swinging a hammer like that, he just broke both of Mr.'s arms. <laughs> I was waiting. I was waiting for one of the thumbs to get hit. Yeah. The spike for the vampire, not my thumb! <laughs> And then Mr. pushes Martin out of the room and decapitates his dad. With a shovel. Welcome to Stakeland, motherfucker. <laughs> this is the first five minutes of this goddamn movie. It did get you hooked. My God. And then it goes into the training montages, which it, it's extremely my jam. Oh, Hell yes. yeah. Martial arts training to kill vampires. Fuck yes, put it in my face. I Absolutely. love it. Absolutely. <laughs> is that... What I get mixed up on the timeline. When were they at that one house where they set up the vampire trap with a stuffed animal? Oh, that's with the nun. Okay, it's not yet. Yeah. So uh, they pull up to this town, and you get a real sense of who Mister is, because these dudes, you know, they have the train pulled across the road because mm-hmm. they're trying to take care of their encampment, and <laughs> Mister pulls up. And he gives them, what, like a sack of teeth or something? A sack of vampire teeth, yep. Doesn't say a fucking word. And these guys, yeah, let them roll, boys. Let them through. And everybody in the town just gives them a bunch of free shit. Absolutely. (laughs) And that's like the, well, that sets up the scene for when they leave town, too. Yeah. They went in town, and of course, they did all the stuff. Then we were getting the supplies, and they said, you can take whatever you want. Uh Uh-huh. And that one, there's one line that I remember, too. Um, it's not the vampires you have to worry about. It's, it's the, the cannibals. cannibals. Yeah, because that is the... Like, we hear Martin in the voiceover. Martin does the voiceover. This is the first time in the movie that we see him speak. And he kind of sounds like he's been indoctrinated. Mm-hmm. Because the guy at the shop tells him, you know, hey, we had people come from where you're headed. And, you know, they said there's nothing there. There's no food. And it's not the vampires you got to worry about. It's the cannibals. Mm-hmm. And Martin just tells him, no, that's not true. We're still going. Like, it's really, really good. It was almost like they were trying to keep them in the town. Hey, we got a vampire hunter and an apprentice. Let's keep them. Yeah. Didn't even think about that until you just mentioned it. Uh-huh. As usual. Yeah. Oh, that, that's, that's, that's an even uh, extra layer to this. Because mm-hmm. the more you watch it, the more layers you get, the more interesting the movie becomes. Yeah, because Martin... It's just a shot of, like, a house, and he's crashed out on this couch. And Mr. walks out, presumably having just yeah used the services of a woman of the night. Yes, had a plate of cookies. Ooh, that's even grosser than the way I put it. Yuck. <laughs> what the shit? Glad I could help. Had a plate of cookies? Yeah. Well, they all... Uh, I guess she might be kind of crusty like a cookie. <laughs> I can't imagine they're you know, yeah. super hygienic in these... I didn't mean okay. it like that. It's just, you know, you always feel good after you have a plate of cookies. Oh, yeah. I was equating the feeling, not actually eating a plate of cookies oh. with a hooker. I mean, yeah. Although, yeah, ew. Uh, some oatmeal raisin leaking out of there. <laughs> Oof. Oh, boy. Don't eat the glaze. So, yeah, uh, yeah. he walks out and <laughs> Martin asks him, like, oh, what was her name? He goes, no, nah, I didn't think to ask. Which sets up something really important that I want to talk about mm. at the, when we get through it. Okay. Oh, God. The nuns. When we first meet the nun. Oh, running out of the bushes with two guys chasing her. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So, this might be one of the most badass things I've seen in a movie. Because the two dudes stop and kind of look at him, you know, like, what the fuck are you going to do about it look? Yep. He fucking throat punches one of them immediately. Let's the other one run. For a little bit. (laughs) And whips a spear cross at him. It looks like a fucking tire iron made of stakes. Yes, and it just beats this guy right in the back. Yeah. Wham. The dude's running away. Mister walks back to the car to go get it. 
He didn't just have this on him. He had to go procure it from the car to murder the fuck out of this dude. That guy is definitely not getting back up. Then he withdraws his knife, walks over, and just pops the other one's fucking throat. It looked like it went right up through, right up through the chin, too. Oh, God. Yeah, that was, um, that was a little good and graphic there. Yeah. Whew. So they bring a nun back to a house that they find somewhere, and they, mm-hmm. uh, like you were alluding to, they bait a trap with a stuffed animal. Well, yeah, um, Mr. has, Martin puts some of his blood on there, cuts his hand. Yeah. And puts it in the stuffed animal, mm-hmm. and then puts like a bear trap behind it, and attaches like a fishing line to it, so we can kind of pull it to move it, almost like a cat toy. Yeah. And this, the reason I wanted to mention this scene is um, during one of the interviews, <clears throat> um, they asked him what they what made a good vampire hunter, or what, how could they portray it, and the key he said was confidence. So when he's setting up that vampire trap, he's instilling that same confidence into Martin, which mm-hmm. I thought was really, really cool upon re-looking at it. Because yep. he, it's going to be a weaker vampire because it doesn't know, you know, if it's alive or not, and he's going for it anyway. But it's his chance to actually stake one on his own, do it himself, mm-hmm. as opposed to having Mr. Help, which I thought was super cool. They really kept it. That's how you can tell the directors and the writers were together. Uh-huh. Because everything means something. Uh-huh. And that's why... Another reason it's, this movie was bitching. It's very, very good. So, uh, the nun walks out, because Martin fucks it up. He gets it in the back, and Mr. yells, You missed the heart, you dumb fuck. And he wrestles it to the ground and fucking stakes it in the heart right after the nun walks out and yells, Stop! He looks her dead in the eyes and just kills this fucking thing. Mm-hmm. It's very good. And, and I like how they show how things are final. Hey, whatever you were doing before this, it, if you don't do this this way, you will die. This is not a game. This is not anything. No, it is very serious. <laughs> yes. And I, I like those kind of movies because people are forced into situations where they now have to either figure it out or die. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of like, some of it was kind of like the stand too. The book, the stand. The stand. Or, yeah, I've never read or seen the stand. But. It, well, some of the some of the stuff with the uh, militia groups and stuff, they were very close, which oh, I thought yeah. was really cool. But oh, it's one of my favorite scenes in the film because the next one, the morning after, where Martin's saying that, you know, yeah, he pulled out its fangs, but he waited till she went to go pick the flowers, and she asked, you know, how many of these things have you killed? He says, not enough, mm-hmm. and she asked him, and what about people? <laughs> says rapist got no place to be alive or some shit like that yeah. she says you know well we're not the one to judge and his response is just so don't and walks away again giving you just this easy without a whole lot of exposition glimpse into who mister is mm-hmm. absolutely and then again he comes across as real stoic and emotionless. Uh-huh. But as the movie progresses, you can see more of the inside of Mr. And uh-huh. he's got a sentimental side. He's got the ability to love and care, but you don't see that. You just see the stoic figure most, you know, through the first part of the movie. So that is really cool. Oh, man. The cult scene. When they walk in and find all the bodies slumped in chairs. Some I, Jonestown shit. Yes. And that, that surprised me. Yeah. Because I, honest to God, just knowing nothing about the movie, I would say, well, that could happen. That could definitely happen. Mm-hmm. Until. They hear baby crying. They walk up to where the crib is, and it's a voice recorder. And the cult has all pulled guns on them. Mm-hmm. And has brought them back to their encampment. Mr. Strung Up. Yep. Uh, this is where we meet Jebediah Loven. Oh, great oogly moogly. This guy rules. Well, I mean, huh. all right, not the character, the actor playing him. Mm-hmm. I did a little bit of reading about him. Me yeah, too. the dude's won a couple Tonys. Like, yeah. he's a very, he very rarely does films. Very legit Broadway star. Yes. And like, you could see it in his acting style, too. Uh-huh. He chewed the hell out of some scenery. God, it's so good. And note for note, perfect. Mm-hmm. He, he, was, he wasn't so far above everybody that it looked like he was in a different movie. But you could tell it was heightened every time he was in the room. Just electricity. My God. And so, yeah. Uh, 
pretty much without getting into too much of the dialogue, which the dialogue there is pretty good. He just kind of explains who he is and whatever. Yeah. They take Mr. out to like the outskirts of town. Yep. In front of, was it three or four vampires? I think it was three. Because I thought there was three in front of him and then the fourth one that rushes him from behind. Yeah. Yeah, essentially the cult drops him off with a torch and says, don't let that flame run out. Oh, yeah. Bitchin' action sequence. I, 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 you were wondering how he was going to dispatch these vampires with no weapons and his hands tied. Uh-huh. Did not disappoint. No, man. It rules. You, the fight choreography on those parts was amazing. And it was real simple, but it was real good. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Yeah, you're right. Nothing fancy. No kung fu moves. Just, yeah. this will kill you now. Uh-huh. Uh, you're, yes. You need to do something or you're going to die. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, yeah, he's attacked for almost from behind by a vampire. Right. Kind of shrugs it off, has it down on the ground, shoves its ro- his ropes, keeping his hands tied together between its teeth. Mm-hmm. The thing chews through his hands so his hands are free, breaks the torch, stabs it in the heart, and then waves all the others off with the flame. Ah, uh, just superb. And that's like... 20 seconds mm-hmm. it's fast it it's seemed like it, took, it seemed like almost like a regular fight though because when i was watching it you know i don't know time will slow down for me if i'm actually going to get hit or something and mm-hmm. that kind of triggered the same thing when i was watching it it seemed it was a 20 second scene but in my head it seemed like two minutes because i visualized everything and everything made sense it was again i love movies that make sense because uh-huh. unlike near dark this particular movie Followed its own rules. Yep. Vampires can do this. This is the only way they can be killed. There's a couple. Uh, It gets a little fantastical at a few spots, but yeah, it's cool. Yes. And it serves the plot. So I'll have to give them that. So again, the fucking God, what is his name? I forget already. Michael Cerveris who plays the cult leader. He is so fucking haunting in the scene with the sister and Martin back at their camp. And he walks up with those two jugs, throws them at Martin, says, go on down to the creek and fill these up. You can run if you want. There's nothing out there but them. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. Wow. It was chilling. Man. And then he effectively is just going to rape this nun. Mm-hmm. Or sister. Sisters are nuns, right? Yeah. I say, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know Catholics. <laughs> eh, missed out on some of that. Yeah. Um, right. I was going to make a joke about going to temple, but I don't think it would go. Yeah. Anyway. Where were we? Uh, Martin taking off. Yes. But this might be one of the most rad-ass scenes in the fucking movie. Well, I like the fact that I was with the sister's tacit approval. It was like, he he was like, I'm going with his eyes. And she looked back at him and it was like they were having a conversation. Yeah, she gave him her cross before he left. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's okay. Now it's coming back uh-huh. to me. Yes, yes. So Martin takes off and he starts immediately like making weapons, doing all the shit that Mr. taught him to do. Yep. Which, okay, I love this movie. Huge plot hole. Martin says, Mr. taught me how to read the stars so I could figure out how to get back to the car. It's daytime. <laughs> it is clearly daytime. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> I, that was one of those like, mm, should I bring it up? But to be fair, yeah, I mean, well, it I, doesn't make a lick of sense. Technically, the sun is a star. Uh, guess. Uh, <laughs> I'm reaching a little bit there. Yeah. But, all right, Martin gets back to the car, and it's nighttime. All mm-hmm. the doors are locked. Vampires down the road. Martin's fucked. Absolutely. Because now fun. he doesn't have a good weapon. It's just a stick that he found that he sharpened. And yep. he's never killed a vampire on his own before. And, yep, and it's coming towards him, and he's backing up towards the trunk of the car, hoping, maybe hoping to get a little bit of oomph to stab this thing. And as the vampire comes up on him, and you just figure Martin's gone, kicks <laughs> open the trunk, and out pops Mister. Oh, he just pulls him into the trunk. Yep. Just like, and then he comes back out. I thought he popped out. No, like he just pops the trunk open, pulls him in, says how many of them are out there. Oh, that's right. And he they says, come just up to the, the back seat. Yeah, he says, just the one. But it's really pissed. Yep. 
So Mr. Finagles his way up into the driver's seat. He tells him, you know, make some noise, make some noise. I'm in here, I'm in here. Doom, 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 yep, so Martin's making a racket in the trunk. Mr. kicks it in the fucking gear, throws the vampire off of it, backs over it. Yep, and then and, my favorite jump scare of the whole movie. Uh-huh. He's driving and the hand comes up over the side. Boom. Yep. It had somehow gotten back up. The vampire had somehow gotten back up and was trying to get back in the car. So, Mister's fighting this fucking thing off. Martin stabs it in the face with what looks like a screwdriver or something. It was so fucking good. Oof. And I don't even know how they even filmed that. And then it turned into Grindhouse, which I loved it. As soon as... Because they, they run the vampire into a tree. Yes. They don't really show it. It's not like super graphic or anything. Like... Budget limitations. I'm we sure. We get it. This is a cheap movie. We used up all the money on the face effects from getting stabbed in the face. Yeah. And then, as soon as that vampire is hit off that tree, he hits the gas, the car revs backwards, and they tear ass out of the fucking... Dude, it's so good. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, and these kinds of movies, I really like it when it gets almost cartoony. Oh, yeah. I love it's that It's 80s stuff. action for sure. It fucking rules. Absolutely. <laughs> Then they, where do they head to next? They're going to... There's a really awesome shot. I don't know if you remember it, but it's Martin stitching uh, Mr. up in like the back seat. And they show Mr. walk out of like this room and he is fucking haggard. <laughs> he's got like that green hat on and he's staggering out like throwing guns in the trunk. Yes, yes, I remember that. And it really confused me because there's another older guy in this scene that just kind of shows up. Yeah, I was wondering about that. He's the guy that just leads them into that town. Okay, he's like the hermit that gets people in and out. Yeah, I think so. Okay. Because, yeah, immediately I I was like, who's this fucking guy? But we never see him again. He's not like part of their group all of a sudden. Mm Mm-hmm. When they walk into this town, it is one of the coolest shots I have ever fucking seen. Yep. These townspeople are like nailing vampires up to the sides of the walls so that they can be burned in the sunlight. And Mr. and Martin walk past them without even fucking flinching. Didn't even look at them. It's so good. It's just like kind of a long tracking shot. Mm -hmm. And then right into the butt. Oh my God. It's so fucking good. Because it just normalizes like, oh yeah, this is what you see. Yep. It's just like going down Main Street at any town. Yep, hanging up the vampires. You know, like laundry. Yep. Um, that I was trying to remember. Uh, I like that tracking shot too because you get an idea of what that town is. Uh huh. Oh, and I forgot to mention at the very beginning of the movie where they show the the um, the street sign that had fallen over. There yep. was uh, Potts Town or Potter's Town. That's actually where yeah. the Jim Mickle is from. Yeah, uh, so, it's like Pottstown, Pennsylvania. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was all filmed right there in Alleghenies. It's beautiful. I've been out there a few times doing wind turbine stuff, and they really, really caught exactly what it looks like. Hell I mean, yeah. The feeling, like you're there. Oh, man. This movie's so good. <laughs> well, the other, there's one other thing that they did, and it's just kind of inside baseball kind of thing, but they actually... Um, broke up filming into two different parts so that you could actually get the change of scenery and their hair would grow longer. And they, they said they did it on purpose. I don't know. Maybe they ran out of money. Yeah. That was my thought was that was just a really professional way of saying we ran out of money, but it actually works the way, the way it's filmed. It it feels real. And we'll get to why I think that when we finish all this up. Okay. Cause then we're introduced to Larry Fessender. Ah, yes. He rules. Yes. He absolutely rules. He just plays the crazy bartender. And apparently he just throws a lot of money to independent filmmakers. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, not just for the role, but um, Fessender worked um, with the guys from... um, The House of the Devil. The House of the Devil. Yep. And um, the Demichi and Mickles were trying to get this script sold. Something like that. Like the, the... crew from those movies like wanted to do something and yeah. Fessender asked them if they had any ideas for anything and they came up with the little webisodes that they had been producing with each of the characters and kind of the background history yeah and showed that to him and he said fuck yeah let's do it <laughs> absolutely so we got a role in the movie it was really cool it was a nice tie-in well yeah I mean he's in a lot of movies just like briefly like he was in uh, I 
think Southbound. Like he wasn't in it. He just did the voice on the radio. Oh, okay. And his movie, God, I think it's called Depraved. Don't quote me on that. But yeah, he's been around for a long time. He's one of the like real big independent horror guys. Oh, okay. It, very respected. Well, the more I the more I watch these movies, the more I see where the connections are between who made them, who acted in them, how they got made, where they got funded. And it's kind of interesting, actually. I thought it was going to bore me to death, but damn it. Fuck you for making me do this. Now I like horror movies. Yeah, they're cool, man. So uh, this is about the time that they get Belle. Yeah, because um, she was singing. Was that the same person that was yeah, singing at the she, club? Yeah, she was singing at the bar and like kind of waitressing, cleaning up, whatever. Mm-hmm. And she's out trying to hitch a ride, and they pass her right by. And Martin looks over at Mister, and they pull over and pick her up. Now mm-hmm. she's part of the ragtag gang. Uh, let's let's also note that she's pregnant, which is yes. the only time pregnancy is mentioned in this entire movie. They don't say whether it happens, it doesn't happen. Or anything, but you don't see that's the only pregnant person you actually see yeah. at all throughout this entire movie. So I, I was wondering about that. Was it, you know, now that the vampire thing happened, can people not get pregnant? Was it part of a disease? I don't know. I don't. Or am I thinking too hard? Yeah, I think so. I think you're trying to mix it. What is it? Fucking. What's that Clive Owen movie? Oh, I know the, the one you're talking about. The Children of. It's not Children of Men, is it? It probably is, actually. It would make sense. Yeah, because I, I don't remember. It's a good movie, but I didn't prep for that. That's so, okay. <laughs> shooting off the hip, I'm trying. Hey. Shucking and jiving. Woohoo. But yeah, they pick up Belle, and yes, she is pregnant. And is this about where they run into Loven again? Where they put on the things and they steal the dude's truck? Yes. And they drive up and they... Yes, because... They, they get him back. Oh, yeah. Because there was the one guy that was, yeah, the guy was fixing his truck. She walked up to him. I, you know, I escaped from these, or I, I need yeah. some help. I, I'm feeling sick. There's something wrong. Aren't you with some men? Well, there were three men that were with me, but they can't help me now. That's right, yeah, because they find Willie, too. They found Willie in the um, outhouse. Yep. Um, but that's when... The, he was all tied up. The Brotherhood mm-hmm. had been torturing him as well. The Brotherhood is the cult, but yes. I don't think we mentioned the name of it. No, we just mentioned... But of course, it's got to be the Brotherhood. Well, of course. And... They've actually kind of got their shit together. Yes. Like, we'll get into some of the other shit that they have, but they have like their own radio station and everything. Yes, they do. All right. So and access to. Yep. They get Loven. They tie him to a tree. Cut his back. Cut a huge cross into his back. And that's when Martin was talking about, um, you know, you could tell by the look in Loven's eye that he knew mm-hmm. as well as Mr. Knew that vampires could smell or vamps can smell blood from miles away. Yep. Yeah, and the, but it, upon re-looking at that, you could see the, the look in his eye wasn't specifically of terror. Mm-hmm. It was just like, I'm going to get you back. That's the only look I saw. Uh-huh. And it makes more sense now. Are, are, we, are we coming up on the, one of the best scenes I've seen just in a movie? Go ahead. Where they get to the town. Wait, hold on. Oh, 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 yes, with the train in front of it, and it was uh, no, the, it was the, the very walking first town. Well, it might have had a train in front of it, too, but yeah, they're in oh, that big-ass line, and they get in, and... The yeah, guy they got to check their guns yeah, at the, the guy think, Yeah, so you can have them back when you leave. I noticed something odd. I don't know if you caught this. Mister just takes Belle into a building. Mm-hmm. I didn't notice that. And then the rest of them kind of wander about, and then later when... The party starts, which is one of the greatest shots of all time. Mm-hmm. I I really mean that. But at the beginning of that, Bell and Mister walk out of a doorway together. Right. And then she grabs Martin and goes into the party. Well, the the original idea for Bell was the role was written for an older woman that was supposed to be Mister's love interest, but the person they cast they said they had more of a a grandfatherly vibe. Uh-huh. So they had to rewrite a bunch of that. So maybe that was just a holdover scene. <laughs> I'm just saying. But yeah. Did, did Mr. Fuck the pregnant girl who's like 19 maybe? Yeah, it was never set up like that though. So again, I think it was just a holdover scene that they 
partially shot for another reason. I don't know. <laughs> or maybe he, he got to a weird pedo vibe and decided not well, to. Well, I mean, she seems to be of legal age. I understand it's that. It's Daniel Harris. So he was, what, 20? I don't know. She's about my age, I think. What, 10? I'm so kidding. What in the hell? I'm really old. Num- numbers? Yeah. Num- no, 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 no numbers. No numbers? Okay. Anyway, so they're at this gigantic party in this really peaceful, nice town, and Martin's explaining about how you know he could really get used to this, something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, almost like I'm gonna kick back and. They reconnect with the sister mm-hmm. who's at this party. Big embrace, and and then something that is baffling, absolutely baffling, and amazing at the same time. Mm-hmm. Would you like to do the honors? So they're having a party. Everything's happening. It seems great. And then you hear a helicopter and then bright lights come out and they drop vampires <laughs> into the party. Not just regular vampires, but they, they call them berserker vampires. They're just absolutely batshit crazy killing machines. Just running at full speed and just <laughs> ripping people's faces off. They dropped vampires from helicopters. Welcome to Stakeland, motherfuckers. Now, this this goes back to something that was... I love it, it was, so no, much. That scene was absolutely incredible. That was the one they did in one take. Yeah, that's a that's a wonder. Yeah, granted, um, they had to film it more than once because the first time there well, was a yeah. problem with yelling cut or something. Well, I mean, wonders are of that magnitude are pretty fucking hard to do. And that's why, I guess, when... They were trying to figure out how to shoot that for, like, the longest time, I guess. And then Jim Mickle, I guess, just showed up and was like, we're doing it in one take. And everybody's mm-hmm. like, uh, what? And he's like, fuck it. Go big or go home. Like, <laughs> we we got the opportunity to make a movie. Let's make a fucking movie. Well, and, and in one of the interviews, the, the kid, what was his name again? The kid who played Martin? Uh, Connor Paolo. Yeah, well, he was in an interview, and he was talking about how, because of... The way they shot and the tightness of the shoot and everybody was there, that everybody gave even more the more pressure they got under. So the actually making it one day probably yeah. helped that production out a lot because everybody pulled even further together. Yeah, especially when you're on a low budget shoot and there's that camaraderie of like, oh, fuck it. If we're going to do it, let's make this motherfucker. Mm-hmm. If we're going to have a scene where we're dropping vampires out of helicopters. Yes. Which I got to get back to. Vampires out of helicopters. Well, they alluded to it when with uh, Willie Exposition. When after they found <laughs> Willie, remember he talked about how that's how they got Washington because the you know the <laughs> Yahoos were driving cars full of you know cars and planes full of uh, vampires into yeah. the state capital. <laughs> this movie's amazing. Oh, I never thought I would see, and I'm I'm sorry to repeat it again, but it. It was so fucking mind-blowing. Vampires well, from helicopters, which... Okay, this is something that I wanted to get into. Mm-hmm. Was Jebediah Loven the leader of the Brotherhood, or was he like middle management? Because they seem to carry on, but they just seem like they want to get somebody who killed one of their own. Mm-hmm. I never figured that out. I know that if you think of the Brotherhood, if it had a real-life counterpart, it would have... Smaller cells, so you'd have, you know, like North Carolina Brotherhood, then you'd have yeah. this Brotherhood, and they might not have one true leader, but be groups of factions. That's what I was thinking, because when they get Jebediah Loven, like when they dress up as the dudes and like get him to cut him up and put him on the tree, yeah, he was alone. If he, he was that like super duper important, I don't think he would just be alone. Patrolling. That is true. <laughs> that is true. So that's why I, I couldn't figure out, like, was he just, like, yeah, um, the leader of that sect? Or, like, just kind of, you know, middle management? <laughs> like, he was sort of important. Like, yeah, well, maybe we he avenge his death with vampires from helicopters, but... Maybe he's also, that's how he got the leverage to move up. Maybe he, he torqued that up a little bit to get more power. Maybe. That's an interesting idea. But it seems to me that... The the vampires, like, well, it reminded me of what they did during their plagues. If they were doing sieges and they wanted to get inside, they would throw a plagued cow by catapult uh-huh. into there, which is exactly what they were doing. Yeah. 
But I don't know if that was a brotherhood ideal that he latched onto or that was his idea that they used. It's hard to tell. Yeah. But it's very, very interesting because they show the next morning and they're talking to one of the like leaders of the little town and he's not begging, but asking Mr. Like, please, won't you stay? Like, we could really use your help. He says, no, we got to keep going. He says, all right, well, you know, we'll have this place back up and running in a couple days. Insinuating that this has happened before. Maybe not from the skies, but... Like, well, yeah, because they said they'd had run-ins with the Brotherhood before, and they just kind of keep to themselves. Yeah, and, you know, take the back roads. It's the only way to get out of here. Mm-hmm. Brotherhood, good, yeah. Good luck. I can't stop you, you know? Yep. And right after that is when this movie takes a real tonal switch. Oh. Yeah, that... Because what we've been talking about have been a lot of, you know... Back, not back to back, but pretty rapid fire action scenes mm-hmm. that are, you know, just a spectacle. And Absolutely. it's amazing. And then this movie gets fucking dark and desperate immediately. Yep. Because they're heading further and further north where it's getting colder and colder. And they're seeing less and less vampires. And but there's less and less resources, and there's five of them. And you can tell because Martin says something about, you know, after a couple of weeks, the small talk stopped. And it's just, they're living this fucking miserable existence. It's like Stone Age subsistence living. Yeah, it's it's incredible that they were able to shift the tone that quickly and make you go, oh, this isn't really bitching it. Like, this sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and usually a tonal shift that that big seems abrupt and catches you short in a lot of a lot of lesser hands uh-huh. but jim mickle actually made it i didn't even notice the tonal shift for a second you know because i was so interested in what was happening on screen it was filmed the way everything was happening yeah this it, is when they start start to show a lot of uh like nature shots of just setting the tone of everything is dead yep everything the trees everything until they get to the junkyard uh-huh. or oh, the bus yeah the bus because i remember that threw me when they saw those whole line of cars i'm like wait i thought they were out in the middle of absolute nowhere then there's this huge parking lot with like 200 cars in and this big bus uh-huh so yeah they go down and try to make the bus livable lighting a fire in the oven you know covering up the windows with the chain link fence and stuff and newspapers i don't know what the newspapers were gonna do but there was stuff in newspapers in the window yeah it's like well that's gonna keep yeah. out the vampires martin was handing the pregnant woman doing all the work wads of newspaper uh, <laughs> yeah i yeah. caught that shit <laughs> <laughs> yeah asshole <laughs> let her sit down yeah she you know she's uh doing she's a fucking trooper though holy shit <laughs> yeah she's hiking doing everything um lighting the fires the whole shot uh-huh pioneer woman hell yeah good stock and then the nun ah <laughs> uh, yes uh, i i liked it but it was a little heavy little heavy-handed in the symbolism yeah but they needed to do something you know, because would the sister, like the character of the sister, there was no further, quite frankly, no further use for that character. And somebody you knew was going to have to die yeah. of the group. So it made sense for the sake of the story. but Yeah, so it's a pretty good action scene where they're fighting off vampires yeah, but just are crawling out of the woodwork. And these vampires are the super scary ones. Mm-hmm. They're the real fast ones because they can survive in this harsh environment. Yep. Still, <laughs> again, they were like the the crazy. He's like there were ones he mentioned earlier in the film that the berserker ones you have to get in the brainstem. Yep, because the heart won't stop them because the reptile brain will still go and attack. Oh, it's because they have a uh, chest plate like chest iron. Plate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. So you got to cut them right in the back of the neck and yep. almost decapitate them. What is the line? Uh, you you got to cut off their lizard brain. Yeah, it's like like unplugging a computer. Yeah. And it was cool because, like, you kind of thought about it, like, do they know? What, oh, wait, yeah. Life was still around. Like, this didn't happen that long ago. But it still felt... They still know what a computer is, but, yeah, it felt like they shouldn't for some reason. It felt almost like, again, that's where it was like a turn of the century, like, you know, going from Old West to New West, kind of Western. Yeah. Because they had the towns and, you know, the, the outpost towns that, you know travel from town to town and dangers in between so it had that feeling of a western too 
which I thought was interesting, but again, a different kind of Western mm -hmm. than Near Dark. So, so they are just absolutely surrounded by these fucking vampires. Yep. And I, I still don't really know what happened, but all of a sudden they're jetting ass through a cornfield. <laughs> yes. And the nun can't go on. She's still got her pistol. She stops in an opening with an angel of death. <laughs> I didn't even see that because I was so enthralled in the scene. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh dear. Yeah. They, they went a little heavy with it. It's still cool imagery, but... It was well, just you know, I got beaten with the clue bat. You know, I yeah, got it. Yeah. I got it. Uh-huh. Mm -hmm. And she, uh... She blows uh, her brains out after having her swear, which is pretty cool. It was cool. It really was. <laughs> yeah. But, you know... Hearing a very good-natured nun just yell, fuck you, and then blow her brains out. Ah, uh, well, she did cool. ask for forgiveness first. Yeah. You know, but yeah, that was... No, nah, she's going to hell, though. Absolutely. <laughs> that's... Hey, no, no doubt about it. No matter what she did good, she's definitely going to hell. Yeah, that's, uh, that's one of those things that... Yeah, mm. kind of punches your ticket. Yeah, well, that and there's one other thing in this movie that really bothered me. We'll get to it. It's almost there. Well, um, let's see. They continue to fight. They run. Is this before or after they realize that uh, the girl's missing? Well, or does they it find later? that bus in the middle of nowhere. Right. And they crash out. Willie goes out to take a piss. Right. Willie goes missing. That's right. And Daniel Harris catches, you know, the blood dripping down from the heavens onto her face. Yeah. And then Willie's body careens toward the earth. Now, it wasn't, I wasn't bummed out that the Willie's character passed. What bothered me is that he died a meaningless death off screen. Yep. His only job in this entire movie was exposition. It's like that and character was wasted. And there was no reason for them to come to the conclusion that they did. Hmm. Oh, this vampire thinks. Like, oh, I don't know about that, guys. Well, the, the one thing that did make sense, though, is they did, they did skirt the security system that worked at every other single solitary vampire. Right, but I would just think that's a dude. <laughs> well, I did, yeah, I didn't even think of it that way because I'm so focused on vamps. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that reminds me. My other favorite thing, uh, when they were in that abandoned house and went up there and the kid was hiding in the cupboard, they called them scamps. Yeah, we forgot about the scamp. Oh, that was... So I, it reaches... All right. Fuck, I completely forgot about that part. That was pretty sappy. I know. But the, this child vampire reaches out and, like, touches Martin. <laughs> here, here's, and then they kill it. It's pretty rad. Oh, but yeah, but can you pick... Okay, both... Um, okay, both the writers were the director and the actor. One of them came up with the idea, oh, we should call kid vamps scamps, <laughs> and then they had to film a scene <laughs> to make it that joke play. Yeah. Regardless, I mean, it was a good joke, but <laughs> it was like it belonged in another movie. Yeah, and that supposed child looked like she was about 23. Yeah. But. All right, they had six hundred and something odd thousand dollars to make this movie. I get it. <laughs> and you see every penny on screen. Oh, it's so good. They're, you know they didn't waste one dollar. They probably started pulling out change if they were short for an effect. All right, so should we get to to the uh, culmination of all of this? Yes, let's do. They run away from the bus. They're camping out. Bell goes missing. Yep. They are tracking her through the woods somehow. Yeah. And they say they smell something dead. And they hear her scream from... What the hell was that? I couldn't tell. <laughs> An abandoned building of some sort. Yeah, but I couldn't tell what its purpose was. Me either. And I was like, it, was, it didn't look like a foundry. It didn't look like a dairy anything. It was out in the mountains. Yeah. So maybe they were making maybe a was mill, it, maybe a mill or where they uh, boil up maple syrup or something. I'm, I'm, I'm sure know. it's very explicitly clear, and just and, neither of us figured it out. Well, of course, we're dumb. And, and the amount of research we do is staggering too. All right, so Martin wants to run into this place. Mister says, "Don't do it. He's he's baiting you, kid." And Martin's like. Fuck you, old man. Tough shit. Guess what? <laughs> he cocks a shotgun and runs in like, oh, hell yeah. And then gets immediately destroyed. Gets his face entirely banged okay. on a corner of a Be concrete 
trough. Because inside is Jebediah Loven as a vampire. He's the thinker that they were talking about. Yep. And uh, what's-her-butt is tied up with barbed wire, almost eviscerated. Uh-huh. And all of the blood is in a trough, which he sticks Martin's head in. Yeah. After It was before or after he whacked him on the side of it. Oh, it was before because that's when Mr. Mr. comes in. in. He sees Mr. (laughs) I forget what he says because what happens next is shocking. Oh, yeah. He... We already established Martin's what? At the oldest, 15? Yeah. At the oldest. Right. Like, he's a pretty young kid still. Mm Mm-hmm. This vampire bounces his head off of a goddamn, what, trough or something? Yeah, it's like a concrete trough. (laughs) Yeah. Just on the corner of it, too. I don't know how the hell they filmed it, because it looked like he biffed his head honest to God. Hard. (laughs) Real hard. I saw that and went, Jesus Christ! Which makes sense after the next scene. (laughs) Yeah. I am your God. (laughs) And then he takes a knife and pounds it into Mr.'s hand, into the wall. Boom. So, of course... He crucifies him. Crucifies him. Uh, What in the hell did Martin hit him with? I don't understand how they defeated this vampire. If I'm being very honest. It almost looked like a really, really long like railroad spike yeah but it was like on a handle like he swung it like a bat <laughs> yeah I, I i did not understand what it was but i i think i know remember the chest plates like iron in front right yeah he popped them through the back uh-huh so it, it entered a, as far as it could and then when mr kicked him it popped the rest of the way through because he was still holding yeah, tension so he, mr kicked him because he of gets the way. this vampire in the back he turns around and says nice try child or some stupid shit yeah. like that and then mr backs up a little bit and shoves his chest even further onto it yeah he kind of mule kicks him because his hands are still yeah um, all right knifed to the side of the that wall so he me, pulls both of his feet up and mule kicks him that Boom. makes a lot of sense <laughs> yeah i was wondering like well, what the fuck would that accomplish? <laughs> Pop that stike all the way the rest of the way through. Got it. Got it. Got it. Oh, it was good. It was really good. And we get to watch Mr. Try and light a cigarette with holes in his hands. Yeah. <laughs> it mess up your tendons a little bit there. All right. But first, ah, God damn it. There's the tearjerker scene. Which one? Because I... Where he has to stake Bell. Yes, because... Man. <laughs> and you'd forgotten about that, actually. Because you thought she was already dead, but at that one last shot, where you hear the little squelch as he gets her heart, because her entire abdomen is open. Uh-huh. And just, he hits it right in the heart. Squeak. That was that was a tough scene. Yeah, because he, god damn, the acting is so good. He stumbles backwards into a stationary mister and turns around and gives him the biggest fucking hug that I've ever seen. And yes. it is... Very well done. <laughs> well, plus you can, and it wasn't out of the blue because you actually saw Mister change his, you know, change how his demeanor as more people added to the group as it felt more like a family. Yeah, and there was the part where Bell couldn't walk anymore, so he carried her, and it was just like my dad used to carry me. Yeah, and he, you know, says, "I'm not your daddy." And she responds with, "Oh, you don't have to be such a hard ass all the time." Yeah, and nothing from him. So, the reason that they had Belle in the first place, because they would have just passed her by. All right, let's finish up the movie. Okay. Um, they get to a remote diner somewhere. Uh, he meets Peggy. Yeah, and, and remember they walk in, they saw a bunch of um, vamps with arrows stuck in their heads or in their bodies. Yeah. So you could tell whoever lived there yeah. knew something about something. And it's this teenage girl that has a like a diner that was her mom's. Her mom's buried out back. They're both really good at killing vampires. She's crack shot with a crossbow. And she couldn't get one, so he walks out and just fucking stakes it. Yep. Mister realizes that he's no longer needed and hits the road. Yep. Leaves them a present of a bouncy horse because he assumes that they're going to have children. Well, no, that bouncy horse was in there before, though. It was was in it? That, yeah. That. Oh, damn. Because for some reason, I just saw that bouncy horse in there. And all I could think of was like, did Mr. go out and ransack houses like in the dark to find them like a baby present? No, because in, in my head, because I'd seen it in earlier. <laughs> that scene. cracked me up a lot. And now you just ruined it. I know. I'm, I'm good at that. But no, I, I saw it in an earlier scene, and I, in my head, I'm like, well, why did they keep it in there? And I'm real, I thought, well, maybe because they're so worried about 
you know, living. Yeah. They didn't bother to empty out the truck. They just threw what they needed in there. If they needed room, they pulled something out. Fair. But yeah, now I, I like your idea better. I'm going with that. That's the story now. That Mr. went ransacking houses to try and find them some sort of acceptable baby gift. Mm-hmm. Because here's what's fucking excellent about the end of this movie. Because after this, credits roll. Right. They give us the bleakest outlook possible when they not only have to kill their friend. And, all right. So the reason they had Bell. And this goes to the psychology of Mr. The only reason they brought Bell on was because he understood that Martin needed someone his age. Okay. He understood, and he understands throughout this film, do whatever you want, as long as it's not endangering the group, do whatever keeps you sane in these stressful situations. If you notice that he never tells anyone no, that they can't do this, they can't bring this, they can't. I didn't notice that until just the second. Yeah. This is why I always like to go rewatch these movies after we have a podcast. The psychology of Mr. is fucking amazing because he switches to when it gets serious, he is all business. Mm-hmm. And I think everybody in that group understands that, that when this is, this is our lives on the line, do not fuck around. But, but in between that time, he's not going to deny you anything that you need to keep saying. Because, yeah, he keeps the nun because they were going to drop the nun off because he realizes Martin's still a boy and he needs that. Absolutely. He needs an older mother figure there. After she disappears, they pick up Belle. Yes. And so that he can have some sort of... creating a family that Martin lost at the beginning of yes, the movie. Because there's that scene where Belle's like knitting on the couch when they're in that house. Yeah. And Mister's reading the newspaper and it's real family like... Wow. Yes, because I, I, I felt he that he brings familiar. on Willie to keep everybody safe because Willie's a Marine. He knows what he's doing. He doesn't have to, it's one more person to help shoulder the responsibility of keeping this group of. That's another pretty, thing that bugs me about Willie. He's got all this training, yet he never really used any of it in the movie. Eh, he helps steal the truck. Yeah. And helps get Loven. Right, but I mean. It, what, else there, what else was there to do? I don't know. There's not a lot of action after that. I mean, right. he shoots a couple in the uh, junkyard. Right. But again, I just, in, in my head, I just, I did, character was wasted. We could have gotten the exposition some other way. But, could have done it a little differently, I guess. And that's why the ending of this is so fucking bleak. Because throughout that entire film, Bell has represented hope. Mm-hmm. Because there was, I mean, they even talk about it at a scene when they're camping out, like, Mister, what are we going to do when this baby comes? That's right. And that represents hope that there is going to be life continuing. Mm-hmm. And when they have to kill her, it is the bleakest fucking outlook because that is all hope lost. And it was Martin that did it. And it was Martin that did it. Because he was the and, only one who could do it, really. And it means that everybody else that they had met on these travels was dead because it was right back to them. They yep. were alone it again. Yeah. It's such a fucking bleak outlook. That's why I'm glad. And they then they had to add that last sequence because mm. otherwise you can't end on that. Well, actually, God damn. one of the things that I liked is I watched some of the webisodes just to kind of see if it matched the movie. And well, of course they actually used some of the webisodes as stock or footage for the movie. Yeah. So they didn't have to pay to re- reshoot it. Yeah. But um, you see how Mr. got that um, skull necklace. Because mm. um, they show he comes to see his father after a long time gone. And obviously vamps are out. His father is sitting down on the front stoop with a shotgun. And they're talking. They're talking. And then he explains how he had to kill the mom and bury her out back. And then you see Mr.'s father just kind of slump over a little bit. He pulls off the blanket. And his entire abdomen was gone. God He'd been damn. attacked by man. So he had to end up finishing killing his father. Bearing took the necklace. So the necklace was like from father to son. So when he leaves the necklace for mister, that's another symbolism. Okay, well, you are my son. Go out and take this and, you mm-hmm. know, continue to kill vampires and uh, teach other people to do it. Yeah. It was, it was a beautiful ending to that movie. And that makes a whole lot of sense because there's, yeah, when the nun's questioning about, you know, like, 
how do you consider what you do as to being moral? And he kind of tells her, fuck off, pretty much. Right. But in a very polite way. Again, he's never a dick, really, unless it's a dangerous situation. Absolutely. But she says, you know, he's just a boy. And he says, yeah, a live one. Yes. That kind of, that, what what word I'm looking for? Not nihilism. Um. It's just when everything's bleak and this is the way it's got to be, almost kind of like... Misanthropic. Yeah, well, you know, it'd be like living in parts of Russia at, at certain times, you know? Mm-hmm. Just everything's bleak, so this is this. Oh, this could have easily been set in the USSR. <laughs> well, this, and, and I love the fact, and again, on a lesser movie, that could just seem like a tacked on happy ending, but you had to have that to have some sort of release or some sort, some sort of catharsis. Yeah. Because you've just been put through the ringer emotionally. Uh-huh. And I don't usually get emotional at movies. <laughs> Fuck this movie for making me emotional. I hate it. Uh-huh. But, no, it really made me feel like, and I, I had to have, I'm glad they put that on because otherwise I would have walked around with that feeling for a long time. They kind of took it off and re-sparked your hope again. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was an amazing movie. So, I want to talk a little bit about uh, Jim Mickle and Nick Dimitri. Okay. This is their second film. Together, I guess. They did Mulberry Uh, Street? Yes, they did Mulberry Street before this, which was very, very good. I liked it a lot. And then, obviously, this was a little better. And we've covered on the show their next film, We Are What We Are. Mm -hmm. And We Are What We Are was the first film that they didn't have to work a day job. Like, they were legitimate filmmakers, like, Mm -hmm. with a budget enough to sustain making a film. That's why I kind of don't believe when they said we had to take a couple months off. Like, I think they had to go get some money. You know, now that you mention <laughs> it, or, or that could be like they ran out of money and that's when they bumped into Fessenden. Yeah. Or Fess, whatever his name is. Fessender? Fessenden? I don't know. I've got it written down here someplace. <laughs> Michael Fassbender. <laughs> yeah. That's who I said initially. But uh, I know I've got it written down here someplace. But here's the thing that I want to talk about with Jim Mickle. Yes. He is one of my favorite directors for a couple different reasons. He's good at what he does. I mean, arguably, this movie is shot very, very well. Mm -hmm. The special effects are done pretty well. That fucking Warner, holy shit. Oh. But most of all, this is a guy that respects your time and your theoretical dollar. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. You're going to take the time to watch one of my movies. Cool. I'm going to make you entertained. And I... I can't. I can't. Like, it's so nice to see a director that still understands, like, yeah, we can make these things that are shot cool and everything, but we're still making entertainment. Mm-hmm. Huck some zombies out of a fucking helicopter. Absolutely. And, and everything, every, every little thing, it's like having, it's like the difference between a, I don't know, a meatball sandwich from Subway and a homemade meatball sandwich with peppers and onions. Yeah. You know, they put the effort in and it made it all worthwhile. Uh-huh. It's just everything that you wanted out of this. I think you said earlier, it's like you took all the ideas have been done before, but it's like, I can do them better. Yeah. And then like did it. There's not a whole lot of original shit in this movie. Like it, I don't want to say it's paint by numbers because everything's done really well, mm-hmm. but it hits all the typical beats. But it reminds me of somebody that just watched another movie and went, that was cool, but you should have done this. Mm-hmm. And I really like that. Me too. And congrats. how often do you do that after a movie? Yeah. Oh, uh, he should have done this, and this person should have been this, like the exposition guy. Uh huh. You know, so not that I'm going to go make a movie next week, but I appreciate that too, because, you know, you can see him doing what we're thinking, which is always cool. Yep. And uh, not long after this, uh, Nick Dimitri and Jim Mickle, they had a television program called Happen Leonard. Really? Yeah, it ran for three three seasons, I believe, on the Sundance Channel. Okay, that's probably it's, why I never it, heard of it. It's on Netflix right now. Really? I watched the first episode. I'm terrible about television shows. Mm-hmm. So I watched the first one. It was very good. It's got uh, Omar from The Wire in it. Really? Yeah. Very cool. And uh, Bill Sage, who was the dad from We Are What We Are, is also okay. in it. He plays like a weird hippie guru. Very cool. Yeah, and then uh, currently, it just came out, Jim Mickle has Sweet Tooth. Yes, on the one with Netflix. the kid with the ant- the kid with the antlers. Yeah, the half deer boy. Yeah, I kind of watched half the first episode again. I'm really bad with TV shows because I know I'm probably not going to continue, but mm-hmm. it was very good from what I saw. <clears throat> Beautifully shot. Well, you, you, now I would expect nothing less from Jim Mickle because he's got a really, really good eye for like symmetry, 
depth. I mean, everything. Uh-huh. And I was watching it on a small screen, but I got to see part of it on a big screen. Yeah. And I was just blown away by the detail he puts into all of that. Uh-huh. It's like, you know, when when the movie started, I could tell that they'd already been in this world a long time, mm-hmm. even before they put it on screen. And as I read more about it, I found out they did. But I think it made it a much better movie because there was already depth before they even put one image on screen. Yeah. And it shows in every single scene because everything fits together. The the acting was perfect with each other. They all look like they were in the same movie. Mm-hmm. You know, and how many times have we seen a movie where one or two people look like they're acting in a whole different movie? Uh-huh. None of that. Frequently. <laughs> so you are absolutely correct. He respects your time and money, or time and money spent on his movie. Yeah. Because, again, my biggest complaint on any movie, especially if it's a supernatural or something, it needs to follow rules. It needs to keep them, what do I, keep, um, keep things the, the same. Yeah. Uh, uniform. I'm trying to remember the word, but. Yeah, just keep things uniform across the just board. Just follow your own rules. Absolutely. And I, I hate when movies don't do that. And the biggest thing, be entertaining. Yes. Just, yes. Y- again, you're making a movie. At, Fucking make your movie, man. At no point in this movie was I ever like, God, this is boring. What else is there to do? Yeah. It, it had me hooked. And I have a notoriously horrible attention span. And this hooked me. And that's why that tonal shift at the end when it gets... It gets Honestly, real slow, mm-hmm. but it's dragged me in so much by that point that like, like man, nothing's, anything, nothing's yeah. happening, but it looks miserable. It was, yeah. But, and it, it was almost like you could feel that. The dread setting in. Yeah. It's just slowly creeping in because you're, I wasn't aware of the tonal shift, like I said, until all of a sudden I felt that dread because I was sitting in a, in my living room in my easy chair, but there's nothing around and it. it's pitch black by a window. And then all of a sudden, the room was really, really dark. And I'm like, um, um, Fuck. I had to get up and turn on a light. It was that palpable. Oh, man. Good movie. Good, Absolutely. Great director. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the writing. Seriously, the writing was well, top notch. Yeah. All the movies that I've seen from these guys, everything that I've seen them produce, everything that they've put out. Uh, Nick DiMici is in a, I want to say, Spanish-American Co-production. It's not Jim Mickle, but it's called Late Phases, or not The Night of, of the Wolf, or Day of the Wolf, or something. Mm, but not heard Late of Phases, and he plays like an old sheriff fighting vamp or uh, werewolves. Oh, that would be great. Yeah, it rocks. Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm. I'm that just it, I. <laughs> I like. I can't gush enough over everything that I've seen these guys do. I. Well, now I, I get will to watch con- everything that they've made. The cool thing for me is you've seen all these movies. Mm-hmm. I have not. And now I just got introduced to Jim Mickle. Yeah. So guess what I'm going to be doing for the next <laughs> week? Watching Jim Mickle movies. Watching the hell out of Jim Mickle movies. Because if they're even half as good as the one I just watched, mm-hmm. I'm going to be happy. And, and as you said, he's like a, I don't know, a kind of working man director. Yeah. And that this is what I'm doing. Uh-huh. And if you like this kind of stuff, you're going to love my movie because I respect you. And Here again, you go. And again, I can't stress enough that the budget for this movie was under a million dollars. It was like 600 and some odd thousand. And you can't believe what they Holy got for that money. Holy shit. <laughs> it, it, it wasn't like a one-room thing. Mulberry, Mulberry Street was like pretty much one area. Yes. They were all up and down the Adirondacks. They were all up and down everywhere. So there, yes, there were set pieces. But most of it took place outside uh-huh. or in the wilderness. And it was, again, budgetary constraints, they made it work. I would much rather the scenes in the forest than the scenes in the town. Mm-hmm. So they made everything work. And I noticed one thing about this movie. There wasn't a lot of dialogue. If you really look back, there's not a whole lot of talking except, uh, you know, the town it, town areas. Yeah, when, but, when need be. Like, right. But don't... everything else was said. Through the skill of the actors and the directors, you you knew what everybody was thinking yeah, because they would emote it. Like, there's no scenes of Mister and uh, Martin doing like a Pulp Fiction, riding down the road, bullshitting about nothing. Mm-hmm. No, it's very straightforward. Like, this is this is what it is, man. <laughs> yes, yes. And if you want to stay with me and survive, cool. If not, it sucks to be you. Yeah. Wow. Uh, any any final thoughts? Go watch this fucking movie. Absolutely. Uh, the sequel I haven't seen. I saw maybe the first twenty minutes of it. Not long after seeing 
this oh no because did he direct it and write it too no no jim okay. nickel was not involved oh then why the I fuck would we watch it i don't know because nick dimici's still in it oh, okay and they got pretty much the same cast it's connor paolo back okay it's the same characters i guess but i don't know maybe i'll watch it well you're gonna run out of stuff to watch eventually you're gonna end up no 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 nah i got a backlog i got <laughs> I got to go watch Air Force One about six more times. Absolutely. Harrison Ass kicking Ford. Harrison Ford as president. Fuck yeah. Fighting Russian Gary Oldman. Ah, uh, I, I thought you didn't like Gary Oldman. I don't. <laughs> well, I guess it makes it, it makes you yeah. happy to have him watch the Wishmaster. The Wishmaster's in it. Plays oh. a Russian terrorist. Again, now I'm going to have to go watch that. It's great. Absolutely. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Harrison Ford. Kicking ass. Pre-Liam Neeson. Oh, God. All right, let's... James, what have we got to plug? Absolutely nothing. Nothing? Yeah. Just Google Horror Vomit Podcast. You'll oh, find us around. I know you've got something to plug. Eh, not really. No? Yeah. Not this week? I mean, you can go check out my OnlyFans, Dr. Pissface. That's D-R-P-I-S-S-F-A-C-E. If you want to see a lot more of me intimately. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was great oh, visuals gross. for a podcast. Just fucking gross. All right, should we just be done? Absolutely. All right, goodbye, everybody. Bye. Bye.